Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. All right, welcome back. I am here with Dana Giordano, and I hope I got that right. Did I get that right? Yeah, close enough. Perfect. <laughs> here in uh, Brighton, Massachusetts, or Flagstaff of the East, as Seth likes to call it. Oh, yeah. So, Dana, um, thanks for thanks for joining today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So, we are here in Brighton. You live yep. with a bunch of runners. You're a runner. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting podcast because... Earlier today, I did a podcast with, I think, the person who runs the longest distance and slowest distance, races oh. the longest and slowest out of anyone I've interviewed. And today, we're talking shortest and fastest. So, wow. it's been an interesting day. Quite the range. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm truly a miler. It's just kind of what I've focused on for the past like three seasons. So, I've kind of, but I don't do much over the 5k yes 15 so, to 5k i would say staying on the track so let's talk about that so first who is dana let's let's start with a with an easy ish one all right i'll give you the rundown so i'm dana i have three siblings i'm from new jersey so my running go pats <laughs> yeah no giants yankees it's a tough place to be in boston sometimes i tried to become a giants fan i mean a pats fan you know because i was like i'll probably be here for a while right but I couldn't do it. Like You're not I a fan really, of I really had so much satisfaction when they lost that Super Bowl, and then okay. the one the Giants beat them in twice. It was just too much fun. So, uh, but yeah, so from New Jersey, and that's kind of where my running story begins. Is I had a pretty good high school program, and very grateful to having a coach that kind of knew what he was talking about. So didn't have me running a lot there. Um, I have a way. I have a very strange introduction to running because prior to high school I had a pretty large surgery um so I was this little weak child like 14 year old going into high school I had had to have a different textbook in each classroom like I was not really able to do anything and I was benched from the freshman soccer team so when I started doing indoor track I didn't really expect anything of it um but then I ended up being pretty good just like quite naturally and my progression from there was just Clicking away at the times, becoming sub five minute miler in high school. I have the New Jersey state record in the two mile, which is somehow still standing, even though high schoolers are running ungodly fast these days. And then I had the great opportunity to be recruited by Mark Coogan to Dartmouth. Um, and my recruiting host was Abby D'Agostino, which is great. And I had a really awesome experience there. Um, but then I ran, I ran 12 seasons, 12 collegiate seasons, I after my sophomore year I went to, all the way to NCAA's and Dartmouth's on the quarter system. So our NCAA's and finals kind of all lined up quite nicely together. Yeah. So I was just pretty burnt out with running and school and quite everything. And I had landed a job at Reebok before I graduated because at Dartmouth, if you graduate and you don't already have a job, then something's <laughs> wrong with you. So I had a job with Reebok. Um and I was pretty excited to start that, but 
I did really well NCAAs, but I didn't make the Olympic trials. And I was okay with that because I was kind of done with running. I was like, I need a break. I went to Southeast Asia with some friends for a month, kind of did the whole find yourself thing, I guess. Did you find yourself? No, I don't think we were there long enough to truly find ourselves. Um, And then I started working and working and running at Reebok kind of paired up quite nicely. So what were you doing at uh, Reebok? I was working as in the product management department for running footwear. So my awesome boss, Ted Fitzpatrick, he was a Dartmouth alum as well. And we were working together with a couple other awesome people making running shoes, trying to make Reebok have um, like just more well-known for running like it used to be. So I did that for uh, almost two years. And then I was in brand marketing there as well. And were you still trying to run at a high level when you were working at Reebok? So the first year of school, I made a rule to myself that I wouldn't say no to anything because of running because I somehow had made running this like evil thing in my head that like made me have to say no to a lot of stuff because I was running for almost eight years, like a pretty high level um, and like going to the end to these meets that not many other people were going to. And I don't know why I kind of created it as like a burden to myself to have to go that long when truly I should have seen this opportunity. But it, yeah. So you were you were choosing not to do things because of running, but then you caught yourself doing that and decided not to. I guess. I guess the whole year was basically like, if someone invited me to go skiing, but I had to do a long run, I would go skiing, and I wouldn't really care if I didn't do my long run. That's awesome. Yeah. My coach said recently to me, just don't withhold fun and soul filling stuff for running. We don't need to make that sacrifice. I love that. And it just resonated. It hit me. And it was like, okay. And you're saying the exact same thing. Yeah. I think it's super important that even as a professional athlete or amateur athlete, you've decided like there are things that are important in life and balance is one of them. Yeah. And I definitely don't live that way now. I mean, that first year was super important to me. I ended up getting a PB in the mile, like with, with pretty inadequate training. (laughs) And, but it, relit my fire because I was just, I was so burnt out, you know, like you almost need that time to step away to realize like wh- why you like doing it. And so I, why do you like doing it? Um, I, which so, is, which yeah, is like no, no. a power question because that's the whole like point of this podcast. So we're yeah. just getting into it right, right. away. Let's go. <laughs> I've actually been thinking about this a lot. And when I was working and I know a lot of people, other people with nine to fives, maybe they feel the same way, but I just looked at people who didn't have like a passion and I was like, I don't get it. Like, how can you live? Yeah. I was so confused. I was like, how do you, you have goals? You're just doing it. You're here every day doing the same thing. And I just, I realized in that fact, like I had this personality that was like, I need to be chasing something. But that's the thing, right? It's like, how do you go through life? Just like I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm eating, I'm sleeping, I'm talking to people without like, pursuing something i think it's because you don't want that heartbreak that comes along with putting your but whole the soul heartbreak makes it so worth it it does it does but a lot of people don't like to have those high highs and the low lows i think it takes i think runners enjoy like the really shitty days because it makes the other days really good so you love the journey more so now being a little bit older in yeah. the sport but it took a long time to get there just because I was so like 
present at Dartmouth, like really just focusing on each day and not kind of looking ahead. Like our team was not focused on USAs or anything like that. It was just, just like put in the work, put in the work, show up, go to conference, try to win, run fast, have fun. So what was the environment like uh, beyond that at Dartmouth? I know it's a pretty, pretty decent running school and pretty decent school school. So what yeah. what was it like being in that? I'll call it like culture of excellence. Yeah, I thought it was really special because you had the Appalachian Trail in your backyard. So you had this place that made you a good runner. Right. So Hanover is not an easy place to run. And I think that we had to do, we worked differently. Like we couldn't work the way that a Colorado would work. Like we just didn't have that time. And I always joked, I was like, we had a 30 mile dirt rail trail 15 minutes away. And that was too far away. Wow. Because people had stuff to do. Right. They had lab, they had homework, and it was like, oh, do we really have to go to the rail trail? It's half an hour away. So we went twice in cross-country season. Wow. Because those weren't like the, that was just, it was really hard for people. And sometimes I struggled with that because I like, practices should be the best part of your day. Right. Um, but I, I understand that like people come into it with different levels of success. Of, yeah. And if you're not improving season over season, it does become challenged to like make that your entire priority at Dartmouth. Cause there's so many other things you can be doing like any school. So how are you at balancing the needs of an academic school like that with still training at a high level? I think I was really fortunate to have like Abby and some other athletes who would come before me to show me that like you can be successful mm-hmm. at that level. Um, my thing is like, I'm not just happy to be there anymore. So once I get over that hump, like this happened to me in high school, happened to me in college, I think it's happening now where once you get over the point where you're just like happy to be there and you realize like, oh shoot, I can win things or right. oh shoot, I can place well NC Blaze, then you can really start performing. So what's the shift? Is it is it you acknowledge that you're in a good place, but it could be a better place or is it? What- I think it's acknowledging the fact that you can belong before you're ready. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I think I think I can be Q, for example, for yeah. you, right? Like, you know that in your heart. Like, right. you've essentially done it. Oh, the BA. <laughs> the cutoff. Yeah, put in a good word for me next My year, organization. Huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Give this guy 40 more, se- 80 more seconds. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even know how it all works. I'm never <laughs> never going to do a marathon. That's going to go down in history on this too. podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's more about like, you... I think I saw this Amy Amy Poehler quote or something. It's like brave people are uh, do things before they're ready, and it's like okay, put yourself out there, oh, like I make a fool about yourself. It's like I've I've run a lot of races and done like pretty poorly the past two or three years, but it's like but you I keep was putting there. yourself out there, yeah. And one of these days, like it's gonna stick, you know. Like the days that I've really shown up, like last year when I made the U.S. final, it's like I know business being there. Do you ever have to stay, take a step back and be like? My friends watched me race down Fifth Avenue on NBC. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that race <laughs> with an impinged ankle. <laughs> but but the point is like yeah, that's that's the level you're at. Like yeah, do, do you ever take a step back and and think about that, or is that? I think I'm pretty hard on myself, honestly. Like I don't, th- I don't. I haven't done a lot of things that I want to do, so I can't really. I don't really feel that great about those things because I see the girls that like I used to beat. Like crushing it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I should be beating so, them. So how is it sort of rectifying or, or um, accepting, I don't want to say accepting, um, being with the fact that like your first season as a pro wasn't 
wasn't yeah. as good as so, you wanted it to as be. People, many people probably don't know who I am. So like, who is Dana? Who is I? <laughs> but who am I? Um, yeah. So like I ran, I got third NCAAs in 2016, the 1500. And then I honestly started training for the 1500 the past two seasons because I really didn't have time to put in the miles. Like I had, I'm the, I'm a person who needs like eight, nine hours of sleep or else I like can't function we'll as a human. We'll talk about that too, yeah. I really can't function. So it's like I can't be the one burning the candle at both ends because right. like, like I would I would wake up before work. You know, then Boston, there's that crew that goes like Tuesdays right. at 6.30 at Harvard, indoor track, yep. right? I could wake up three days a week and then thir- by Thursday, Friday, I would that be toast. It. Like I couldn't make well, it. Thursdays at 7 a.m. So it's nice and late. Yeah, <laughs> but I couldn't make five days a week in the morning. Right. So it was really hard for me to like juggle the timing aspect of everything. Yeah. In terms of year one or just in general? In terms of, oh, I, I was talking about the 1500 and me. Oh, got it. Yeah. So like training for the 1500 was less volume, but like more intensity. Yeah. So that's how the 1500 came to my Versus event. the mile? Versus the like 5K? versus like the 5K yeah. or longer distances. So now it's been really nice. Um, but definitely a challenge to have all the time. So in February, I quit my job and I joined the BAA, stayed in Boston because I wanted to keep, I mean, it's a phenomenal organization. And I like really wanted to keep this special community around me and like my family lives close. So I wanted to keep like that support system because I think it's super important. But I ran slower than I have in the past three years. So four, three, yeah, three years. So <laughs> you reached out to me, I don't know, a year ago and you were like, hey, I've got, big goals i want to do some cool stuff i want yeah to leave no stone unturned so what are some of the things you've been doing that that i think the thing that people get caught up on is um and i had this conversation with peter bromka he was like people come to me and they're like i want to i want to bq this year yeah and he's like no you can't like yeah. three years five years ten years so what is it that you're doing that Dana of 2024 or 2022 or whatever. 2022. What am I even saying? It's been a long day. Yeah. yeah. Dana 2022 or 2024 is going to look back on it and say, damn, I'm glad I made those decisions. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is like having no regrets in what you're doing. So once I got to that point at Reebok where I realized I wasn't like happy to be there, like I was not inspired at all. Like I had to leave. And honestly, I've been like kind of, uh, I know a lot of creative people kind of feel this way where you go through these slumps of just like you want to be inspired and you want to feel like you can build something. And I've kind of had been kind of waiting for what that is. And I haven't really made it much yet, but it's more of just been this time of like really a re- lot of reflection. And ever since I became like a professional runner in February, I'm like, I've just been looking at it, everything super critically. Like I want high school girls to care about professional running. How does that happen? Like I now coach high school girls. They don't care about their own running, let alone professional running. So it's like, <laughs> what what's missing here? Like how do we create fans of the sport? Because the reason why most people are fans is because they participate. So it's like, how do you create these lifelong fans? It's the number two most participated high school sport, if not number one. And these people aren't fans of the sport. Like That's a problem. So how do we get there? Besides uninterrupted 5Ks and mile races on Yeah, I think it's more of just, there's almost too much information. And like curating, like the reason why I got really into running is because quite honestly, I had a high school coach that I needed to connect with. He was a male high school coach and 
he was kind of, he's a running nerd. He's awesome. And it was like our thing in common, you know, like I, that's when I started looking on the flow tracks, the mile splits, things like that. And I got really into it. So we had this thing to talk about, but I think it's, that's not like a cool thing to do per se is be like really into running, you know, as a a high schooler, as a high schooler. Yeah. yeah. But there's different, there's many cultures where it is cool. So it's like for the high school girl who eventually will become a college graduate, who's going to pursue her own running. It's like, who are her, who's inspiring to her and why? And so are you, you're hoping to fill that role? I'm not feeling it. I'm more of just an observation phase right now. This is so lame. Just more of um, my, this might explain why I'm like this, but my minor was human centered design, which is basically like building products for people instead of like making products and make, instead of like making a product and forcing people to use it. So, so break that down in in layperson. In layperson terms. So like suitcases didn't have wheels. I think until like the sixties or seventies because someone finally noticed like, wow, it was really challenging for you to like pick up this piece of heavy luggage. So it's, but it's, it's like creating things for people a need a problem. Yeah. A fi- problem. Creating things yeah, for yeah. a problem versus Steve jobs who said y'all need iPhones. No, Steve jo- iPads. he actually fixed a problem there. The, the things Steve jobs didn't fix or RIP um, was, was him taking away the headphone jack before it was ready. That's not a problem fix. That's like, that's selling more hardware. Yeah, exactly. But Apple's a software company, right? Right. Interesting. So let's back up. <laughs> Just distracted. Anyways, I think what I want to leave on the sport is um, I want to get people inspired to run and understand like what the feelings that I felt and those emotions, those emotional highs and low make you feel really good about yourself and setting goals. Um, I just care a lot more about the female population and I think it starts at the high school level. So how to get those women interested in the sport and then continually being interested, even if their running career isn't as a professional runner, you know, like I'm very unrelatable. So why should someone care about me? Like their lifestyle is never going to be like, but that's the thing. I think that social media allows us to connect with pro athletes and make it relatable. I do too. It may not be at the same speed, but, but both people are running i just want to bring a certain level of like authenticity to it where i think a lot of people like i know people that will literally post photos of themselves working out when i know they're injured <laughs> like there's so much bullshit in social media that like yeah. i so so would like to strip away and be like okay listen like, this is how it is like right. it's hard it's not easy every day you know so i think steph bruce does an amazing job of of yeah that. i think that the way that she uses social media is sort of like the guiding light of what I try and do. Yeah. Um, and what I think a lot of people, not everyone, what I think a lot of people could and should do. I think that there's a huge problem because you see it in, in road marathoning. People get, you know, kudos for running back to back races or, you know, doing hard workouts after a race. And, yeah. and it's this vicious feedback cycle of you do something stupid you get kudos for it. Yep. You get injured, but nobody sees the third step. It should be your, your inspiration. It's not your doctor. It's not your PT. It's not your therapist. Like social media isn't those things. Like they're right. specialists for that. Like <laughs> it should be your inspiration or yeah. your creative spark or whatever. But I think a lot of people use it as this comparison tool. But that's a whole nother topic. That is a whole nother topic. And then you also mentioned a whole nother topic that I love discussing. Oh yeah, therapy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you been to one, seen one? 
I have not. Um, I use the sports psychologist. That's as far as I get into like therapy. But I do is a that lot of Emily Saul. Um, no, it is. Um, his name is Tim Bailey. He used to be here in Boston. So his wife Priscilla Bailey for um, was a former coach at Harvard, and now she's at Cal Poly. But we connected when I was in a training camp out there, and we've been doing some sessions over FaceTime and kind of working on like the big goals and that uh, the visualization. So. Um, yeah. So like my goal is to make the Olympic team. Like, am I anywhere near that? Probably it's going to be hard. It's going to be a stretch and I'm going to have to really improve, but he's been helping me kind of work on like, okay, set your intention, tell people about it. Like, don't be afraid to tell people like your goal, like put it out to the universe and then work on like what my assignment for this past week has been really hard and I have not figured it out yet, but it's what is the one like guiding principle in your life a sentence that you can look at every day that makes you wake up and like want to be better (laughs) that's that's good yeah so we did this whole exercise that was you had to write down um what do you want your friends and family to say about you like it's your retirement party like what are they going to stand up there and say and what what was it um some mine were some mine were like i think people think that i'm very passionate i would like to think that people think i'm empathetic i know i'm relatively blunt um, and to the point, but I think it all comes from a place of like honesty and kindness. So, so what you've talked about so far is wanting to inspire others, wanting to get uh, girls and women active and motivated and excited yeah. about running. What if it was something around that, like your success is their success, or yeah. you know, the more that you're able to break through barriers, the like ideal will come. Yeah. The ideal will come. I just don't know what in like what form right yet. Yeah, you'll wake up one day and it'll. It'll hit you. Yeah. And I think you don't have to be creating anything. It could be a process too. Of yeah. Who are you? Because you know, when you ask me who I am, like after the Olympic trials, I have no idea. And that's really scary. Literally no idea. So on a similar note, what are you scared of? Ooh. What am I scared of? What are you scared of? What am I scared of? See, yeah. nobody's turned this question around on me. Yeah, I need some time to think. So, <laughs> what am I scared of? Um, I'm scared of giving up. Yeah. Um, I've, and I, I mean that like, I've had a few races where I like gave up. Yeah. And mailed it in, and you do that enough times, and it's like that passes into life, mm-hmm. and you're just like, yeah, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it kept happening. And then one time it didn't happen. Yeah, definitely. That's a good one. I think I'm scared of walking away before it's over. Like not finishing the job, you know? Yeah. Do your job. Just Do your job. That's a Patriots <laughs> thing. Can See, be anyone. it's working. No, it's the infl- Bill The Belichick. mind you've infiltration. Been, you've been Belichicked. I've been Belichicked. It's okay. He's a decent coach ever. <laughs> uh, but I think it's more about for me, it's like, I don't want to leave anything half-assed. Like, I'm an all-in kind of person. It's like, I'm going to give my all. Like, I people might, on my team might think I'm crazy. Like, I go and see all these experts. Like, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Like, I've been doing this sport for over 10 years. Like, I don't know anything compared to other people. And once you think that you know something, yeah. you don't know anything. Yeah. And I, I've been trying to really understand, like, the Eastern perspective, the Western perspective, where people are coming from, what their background is and kind of figuring out like, what's the best training for me? 
and I've had five coaches in the past seven years, which is an ideal. So it's like you have to be your own compass of stick the path. Keep going. Keep going. Do your job. You know? Do your job. <laughs> no, I need another thing. I should never have said that. That's going to be the title of the, the, Do of your this job. episode. You know what? Anyone who, no one can say bad things about Tom Brady and Belichick because they've accomplished great things. All I'm saying is 18 wins, one giant loss. Listen, somebody asked me once, so I grew up outside of Boston and somebody asked me recently, like, oh, did you go into Boston as a kid? And I said, yeah, about once a year, but only when we won championships. Oh, yeah. You see those posters at the parades that are like, my four was like 87 days, the drought and the yeah. drought. <laughs> yeah. But then the Bruins didn't win and tough, it was quite it's sad. A tough, uh, it was a tough upbringing growing up as a 90s uh, Bostonian. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you mentioned one of the things you mentioned was sleep. Mm. Um, th- Big sleep. <laughs> thought the conversation that that you, Seth, and I, Seth Waltz, and I had recently yeah. was funny I, because, like, in most circles, I sleep more than yeah uh, everyone else, and my eight and a half hours was nothing to Seth's nine, and nothing to your nine and a half. Yeah, so I mean that's sleep. Like, that's my ideal. Honestly, I. Maybe this is a little vain of me. Like, I think I look really bad if I don't get enough <laughs> sleep. Like, just as as far as, like, we're very big critics of ourselves. But, like, I think I look haggard. Like, I don't think I look bad if I don't get that much sleep. And I think it's just a whole, like, negative feedback loop thing. <laughs> but, like, I really... Listen, if that's what you got to tell yourself to get nine hours of sleep. Yeah. I mean, it. <laughs> it's... At the end of the day, it's, like, the only thing that's really regenerating your human growth hormone. It's, like, if you're not sleeping properly, you're not training properly. So... Last night I had a magical experience sleeping. Yeah. You like this? Can you lucid dream? No. I kind of can. That's amazing. It's bizarre. I kind of wish I could. It's like right before I wake up and you're like, you can. That's when you can cheat, like decide what's going on. Yeah. Right? So like you're that part of your dream and you go one way and you decide, oh, I don't want to do that. And then you can like insert different people. It's ha- It's been happening a lot more recently. It's very strange. <laughs> well, mine was not lucid dreaming. But it's still magical. It was it was magical. It was restorative magical. Mm. I woke up today after sleeping for nine and a half hours. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like a million bucks. Wow. And I ran thirty five miles over the weekend and felt amazing this morning. Did you did you ever have a whoop band? No. Yeah, I had one of those for Seth has one actually. And like it tells you how like how recovered you are. And I had a workout this summer where I literally ripped it off my wrist because I was like, <laughs> I don't care. I ha- I have to perform. Yeah. I know I'm not recovered. <laughs> like the sleep isn't even helping at this point. So I think that it's like a tough balance between like too much data, where's the data? Oh, how yeah. do you go by feel? Mm-hmm. So what are what are you doing from a recovery perspective to maximize? Yeah. So I've been really getting getting very deep into the food side of things like cooking for yourself so i was always in a rush when i was working and running so like i think my my diet kind of suffered and it was just kind of suffering the fact that we're like i think i was under fueling i'm already a relatively thin person i have been my entire life i've never had an eating problem thankfully um but like i don't have a lot of weight to lose and like when you're in race season and you're working out hard all the time like I I can't afford to lose five pounds. Right. Like I I'm that type of person who has a high metabolism who needs to like keep on weight. Right. So basically, I've just been, and those things like those are very restorative too for your body as well. Like food is fuel. Like if you're not refueling, you're 
underperforming. Yeah. So like honestly, one of the biggest things I've done is snack, which is awesome. You know, just adding things in between yep. the bigger meals during the day. I've always been a good sleeper. Norma Tech. I do a lot of gra- self-grasting on myself. Oh, the uh, sidekick? little sidekick action. Uh, big fan of massage, acupuncture. It, you know, I think you just have to find like what works for you. And I think when I stop running, I probably won't be doing this much, but I'll probably continue on with um, just like a better diet. And I really do enjoy acupuncture. You enjoy acupuncture? Yeah, I really love it. Wow. My my old company, through my insurance, you could get it for $9. Wow. Because it somehow covered my insurance where like massage is not. But I was getting it for my neck and like tension headaches and stuff. And it's really phenomenal. Like Eastern medicine, they said most of the points are in your arms and your, your legs and can reset your organs. All right. It's crazy. I I tolerate acupuncture. I like how I feel. Do you do needling though? Like yeah. dry needling? It's different. Well, so this is acupuncture with stim, which I guess is similar to yeah. dry needling. But is it an acupuncturist or like a PT that's doing it? Cairo that's doing it. Okay, yeah. You have to go see an acupuncturist Got that's it. like studied Eastern medicine. Well, no, this feels good. It like I feel great afterwards. No, it's not a feeling thing. It's more of a, like, a methodology. Got it. Like your liver is coming from somewhere else in your body. You know, it's the, which your neural pathways are impacting the thing. It's less more about this is for the muscle and, and the area. And right. Because like, I've done that too for, you know, releasing muscles in certain areas. But I think the acupuncturists are much more about the different organs. It's a fascinating world, <laughs> what you can get into out there. Eastern medicine, you know, they knew what they were talking about. So I believe my Cairo is trained in Eastern medicine. Um, shout out to Brian Kent. Yeah, I uh, bet. I Honestly, I bet. But I know the acupuncture certificate is different, but it also varies by state. Got it. So each state is different. Makes sense. So switching gears a little bit, um, what have you been working on so that you can come back stronger? Yeah, so I ran the Falmouth Mile and I got a personal best in the mile this summer. And then I got invited to the Fifth Avenue Mile and I was trying to keep things together. But it turns out I impinged my ankle joint, which I don't recommend doing. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Uh, basically, like your talus is uh, the, just like not tracking in the right way. Like, and what is your talus? It's a bone in your ankle. Got it. So it's not go, It's not sliding over. So you can't really dorsiflex. Got it. So I've just been, you know, doing the total reset, like from ground zero. So I probably could be running my normal mileage per week, but I'm like, no, take it easy. Because I got injured um, once this summer and then tried to rush things back for outdoor USAs and... Got knocked out in the rounds. I really ran quite slow in the 1500. Had zero good races on my regard. So I just don't want to... In 2020, in like the next nine, 10 months, like I can't risk... I can't risk a little injury. Right. So I'm kind of being like a crazy person on the PT, rehab, ultra G. It's a good big picture approach. So you've got an interesting connection to Falmouth. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So um, my mom... My grandfather, my mom's side, was a professor at UC Irvine. So she's from California. And every summer, they would drive across the country to Woods Hole in Cape Cod, and which is the start of the Falmouth Road Race. So no one in my family is a runner, like zero. 
Uh, but I've been there every single summer my entire life, pretty much going down. And uh, it's a pretty special place. It is. And it's always so hot. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, the race is really hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of opens up and there's no trees. Right. Along yeah. the ocean there. Yeah, on Surf Drive. Yep. I, it's a horrible place to train, quite honestly. Like, I've logged many, many miles there, but I have zero Strava records because <laughs> <laughs> all the people there were from the race. Where do you where do you train in Falmouth or Woods Hole? You literally just do, from my house, you go to Penzance Point, which is all this nice area with, like, mansions. You run up there. That's, like, three miles. And you run around the lighthouse. And there's this little dirt road called Fay Road that I'll run up and down a couple times. No soft surface. Not ideal for training. Does that go up to, it's like a little marsh along the side and that's where all those big houses are? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's Penzance Point. It, it used to be a guano factory. A what? Guano. What's that? It's fertilizer. It's oh. from bird poop. That's shitty. Exactly. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, in like 16, 17, I don't know when. Got it. And we'll then, do a little uh, a little fact checking on the on the date yeah. On that. So Falmouth is definitely a special place to me. I mean, I've run the road race. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it this year because I ran the mile and then hurt my ankle. <laughs> but um, I've run it a bunch of times. And then that surgery I mentioned before, I had surgery done at the Children's Hospital in Boston. So I've run the Falmouth road race and fundraised for the hospital like several times. And let's talk about the yeah. fundraising for the hospital. Why is that important to you? Yeah. So when I was fourteen, I had an huge ovarian teratoma it was five pounds and massive massive scar but i was treated super well like it's like the best care in the world and i think just giving back is super important to me so i the year after i had the first surgery i decided to like fundraise but then i had to have another surgery the next summer and i ran the race ran is a generous term three weeks after that surgery wow with doctor's permission got it because my doctor was somehow my grandmother's paper boy from what's all <laughs> small world it's a small world yeah so but i've uh run it for the hospital seven times and last summer it was the 10th year anniversary of having the surgery and it was um i never had to have like cancer follow-up but it was a cancerous tumor um so i think things sometimes get spun a little bit um in any articles or anything people are like oh you had ovarian cancer i'm like no <laughs> i had a tumor but the um Anyways, so yeah, last summer was the 10-year anniversary, and I used to not be able to, like, talk about it. I would like, cry and, like, wouldn't be able to really own up to what happened. But I um, raised, with the help of many friends and family, over $10,000 for the hospital wow. last summer. That's yeah, amazing. So oh, last summer alone? Last summer alone. So I've raised over, like, $30,000 total. That's amazing. Which, you know, is really special. I mean, it's like a drop in the bucket compared to, like, what the hospital yeah, needs. Yeah, but it all adds up. Yeah, um, and I started volunteering there recently. That's awesome. They have a saying at the Pam Ass Challenge, every penny counts. Yeah. If, every, if a million people give a penny, that's a lot. Yeah. No, it's something that I think is super important to like ground yourself when you're kind of in this like hyper-competitive world. It's like people are living everyday lives, you know? Right. You, gotta, you can't get too distant from it. Like I really struggled with having so much time and just being like, oh, the professional runner who just sits around all day like that that can't be me that's not right. me so um you briefly mentioned that you're coaching now as well you want to talk about yeah, that yeah so i'm coaching at a local high school and middle school so i have middle school and high school boys and girls and my middle schoolers are so cute they are adorable it's like 
they don't understand pacing. They don't get running. <laughs> but Listen, I don't either. But <laughs> the best part, my favorite part of my whole day is we do drills together. And I've changed all of the skips and things into animals. So side shuffles are crab walks. We do big uh, skips, our unicorn hops. So they all put their finger on their forehead of the unicorn hops. We have Frankensteins. That's a normal one. Um, Seth, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> Dana is now leading Drill Club. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just so funny because um, I've just really enjoyed like a lot of them. It's like they're, it's an intense high school and they're in middle school. Uh, maybe not some else. They seem like they're in fun. It's Probably. an intense high school. So it's, I try to make it the most fun part of the day for them, but also like I've learned a lot through my years right. of running. So just trying to make them a little bit better and not injured. Makes sense. Let's um, shift gears completely. Let's talk okay. about the state of track and field. Oh, yes. Wh- where are we at? So we just finished the world championships and without uh, some severe fireworks <laughs> in the media, which I think is a little bit strange that that had to come out during the world championships. I don't really care for that because you know what? It really impacted a lot of the athletes that were performing. Right. So uh, we're talking about Alberto Salazar and his fellow doctors ban. Uh, I thought Kara Goucher's reply was pretty incredible. What she said on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Basically like, I didn't see Don't it. ask me about this until it's over. Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. Let the athletes I have did their see that. I did see that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, I wish I was, not to say I'm like I wish I was in a position where I could be so have such a strong opinion either way. But like, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not quite yeah. at that level. But I do think that I think track is a game of human performance, and you need to play within the rules. So if you're cheating, you got to go. But I don't Lifetime. think. Oh, for what he's done? Uh, uh, I think so. I think like if the enough evidence is there um, and it's been proven. I mean, there was a court hearing. Everything was shown. Um, there aren't long enough bans, I guess. But I just hope that the testing gets better so you can truly like what athletes were involved. Yeah. That's I a think real question. It's a tough spot because, yeah, it's just, it's a hard place. And, yeah. And there are so many edges or, or advantages that you can give yourself that are legal or barely legal or, or not legal. And or, it's very related to funding too. You know, like you don't, you honestly don't need the most to be the best in the world, but it doesn't right. hurt. Right. It doesn't hurt having access to all that, have a PT there right. every day, have all this stuff, you know, like doesn't hurt. Well, I mean, even, even look at like amateur runners with like the next percent from yeah. Nike, like where's the line? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, I, someone told me, and maybe this is false, that like the most number of 4% is around like the three hour mark. Because it's people trying to break a barrier. Yeah. But you know what? If that person's getting out there and doing something like, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. But if I'm the guy at the front of the race <laughs> and that guy has that shoe and I run for a different brand and I can't run it, of course I'll be angry. But right. I think it's, that really only packs a few, a select number of people. But it is similar to like the speed suits. Right. Well, they banned that in swimming, yeah. right? Unfortunately, uh, um, the, the money in track and field is very dispersed and there's big players in the game and, um, you kind of have to play nice in the sandbox because we can't really have no funding for the sport, you know? So what, what's it like for someone like yourself who works with BAA? Yeah. Um, 
probably would like to have other partners, sponsors, things yeah. like that. Um, how do you manage expectations of a brand or mm. or not or solicit not soliciting but like working with other sponsors things like that yeah i mean i don't have a quite large enough social media following that people are reaching out to me all the time but it does happen sometimes well, maybe after this podcast you will maybe <laughs> let's see hello follow me i'm oh, just kidding only if you want to but uh yeah so the baa the boston athletic association is who i run for and uh, adidas as well so i can only wear adidas um but Thankfully, I love it. That's like really awesome shoes. They, they treat us super nicely. But the BA also has their own sponsors. So it's definitely a little bit tricky to navigate where the BA has five major races and each one of their races kind of has a different set of sponsors for the races. So there's like certain categories that we can't seek out other sponsors, but there are some categories where the BA doesn't already have a sponsor. So the BA, for example, is like sponsored by Cliff Bar, so we get Cliff products. Like right. I can't really have another nutritional sponsor, um, which sometimes is a challenge. Like if you're not meeting your needs, but at the end of the day, like it's nice to have those products. Yeah, I've reached out to a couple brands, but only things I truly believe in. Like I know you dropped my sidekick tool joke on there earlier. Like I truly love it, and like I don't want to promote anything that I don't actually believe in. Right, that makes sense. Um. Okay, so we're sitting here in your uh, Brighton home. Yes. It's a home of other professional runners. Yes. What is the, is the, the Boston <laughs> running scene like for you? Oh, it's so great. Honestly, I feel like I've been the most removed just because I've been in my little off break and living a little bit farther than downtown, but it's awesome. I mean, I've said a couple times, like, I wouldn't be here in my running if it wasn't for the Boston running community. If it wasn't for people like Seth and waking up and doing workouts with me. Like, I relied heavily on the Boston running community to, like, wake up and do stuff with me and get me going. Um, and then just having all those people who really care. Like, I had a really impactful conversation today with someone. They wrote a piece for Tracksmith, and it just, like, hit me in the right way. And I felt super comfortable with someone that I don't know super well that I'd like to get to know better reaching out to her and being like, Hey, like this was really important to me. This is what I, my thoughts and feelings about it, you know, and it's people that understand you. And right. I think it's the first time in my life truly that I've been like, I am a runner right. and I'm like proud of it and happy about it versus I kind of pushed that identity like in college kind of far away. I was like, Oh no, I like, I can do it all. Like I'm really good at doing everything. I'm not just a runner. Like yeah. I, I'm a student and I'm social. Like I can do all these things. But it's been nice to lean into that identity more. I would say definitely. And then yeah, you have people like Seth. Um, Seth was the I don't know one of the first ten interviews I did on this podcast. Yeah, and we had a blast on that episode. So go back and listen if you haven't listened. But yeah, people like that. Boston's made up of people like Seth, where it's like, you know, oh, you need someone to pace your workout? Time and place, let me know. I mean, you said it yeah. to me. You were like, hey, I'm not running for a while. Like, I'll jump on a bike and, and pace you. Like, stuff like that makes the world yeah. go around. Like, I just... still need to own up to that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing Wednesday? <laughs> I know. It's harder now, too, with like such a strict practice time where I really feel like I have become a little bit more distant from the larger community and that was one thing i really wanted to because i loved going like i always went to those 9 a.m sunday tracks with long runs like yeah. that's the only reason why i would do it you know for the community I, I don't like running alone yeah like i really don't like maybe once in a while but 
if I had to train for anything by myself, it just wouldn't happen. So I got in a groove where when I was out in Boulder, I ran pretty much every run with someone. Yeah, it's so much better. It's so amazing. And I got back to Boston. I was like, wait a minute, I can do that here too. Yeah, but do you ever get the thing from both non-runners that are like, you talk when you run? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's it's fun because like, you know Mark Vitor, right? Uh, probably. The owner of uh, of Landry's Bicycles. So like we do a we do a Tuesday run. Yeah, I don't really know anyone's last names. Is the funny thing in the Boston running community? I'm like, oh yeah, that person, Mark. He's one of the Cortado guys. Oh yeah, yes, I do, I do. Um, but it's a first name. Chief thing. Chief Cortado. Um, and yeah, like every Tuesday, and it's just like I call Mark Miles. So nice. Calls him Levitt Miles, and it's just like that's what we do. Yeah, and I got into good routine with that a little bit with Emma Spencer when she was still in Boston. Excuse me, she's training for. Um, She's training for Olympic trials marathon. Yes. Yeah. So, so it was nice to just like, like there are badass people out here doing really cool things. There are people doing wild things too. Another, um, another guest we had on the podcast, uh, Tyler Andrews. Yeah. I noticed for a while that he was out running uh, marathons around the Charles wow. River. Yeah. Yeah. At like a or Joe, you know, Joe yeah. string bean. Yep. Yeah, one time I was running with him and my friend David, and his watch buzzes, and I go, he goes, oh, sub three. And I go, what? And he goes, just a sub three hour marathon. And I was like, we've been running for six miles. He's like, yeah, I've just already been out and about. I'm like, oh my God, like that's your life? He run, he run commutes every day, and he's gotten a lot of people at his company to do that with him. That's awesome. And it's so accessible out you know, along the river, you can commute. It's faster than the train. Yeah. Well, I do say I, I do miss the trails. That was one thing that Dartmouth really had on Boston was yeah the trails. But you get out to to Battle Road a fair amount, right? Yeah, and there's this awesome run out in Holliston, but it's all flat. You know, hills make you fit. That's true. Um, well, next time you're in Falmouth, my parents live next to 50 miles of conservation land. It's just like oh really gorgeous. Where is that? Uh, sandwich. Oh, it's wow. exit four on Route Six. Yeah, you know. The joke in Woods Hole was like, you don't even get in your car to go to the grocery store. You just, you know, my mom joked, she's like, I should get my groceries take, delivered this summer. Take I think the, I almost went bike. a whole summer without getting in a car once. That's amazing. This is turn. This podcast is turning into a, a Boulder and Cape Cod tourism uh, ad. You know. I don't hate it. <laughs> you'd, I don't hate it. Anywhere where there's people, you can run well. Totally. So, what is the goal for the next three months, six months, nine months? Yeah. Well, conveniently, I just had a meeting with my coach. So Perfect. I, I think I had, it's, a, I had a debrief beforehand too. You did? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Morgan Houston is our interim coach and she's amazing. Ellen uh, being herself. And we were talking and she was like, all right, what, what are your goals? And what I would like to do is I want to run... I want to run fast on the track, obviously, but I want to run third on a fast 3K before I'm going out to altitude for the first time ever. I'm going out to Flagstaff nice. in December to January. and Which is a really hardy time to go to Flagstaff. Yeah, I don't know. It's not my planning. I just kind of follow along. But I think it's more, like I was saying about setting the intention for every day. It's what am I doing today to make myself a better athlete? Like, am I doing everything I can Am I making smart decisions? Like I can definitely get caught up in over committing. So I'm trying to do less 
is a big thing for me. Saying no is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also hard. I mean, conveniently, I live with uh, Leanne Farber and Heather McLean, who also trained for the 1500. So it's like I got I got some socializing every day, which is really, really nice. And I didn't realize how much I needed that. But I mean, I want to give myself the best shot. I want to make the Olympic uh, trials final, the 1500 or the 5K. Like I want to be able to stand on that starting line in June in a final race and be like, you know what? Anything can happen today. And that is a big goal. It definitely would take um, a jump, but that's, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, just show up every day, try to be my best self, sleep nine hours, rinse, repeat. It's not that complicated. Running's not that hard. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Left foot. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Keep your feet healthy wear your toast spreaders and don't get hurt <laughs> see this would be a perfect place to end but i have more questions so <laughs> let's keep it rolling um, you can always edit it we can, we could but i really want to know why why yeah. the 1500 and why the 5k yeah so i love the fact that the 1500 like really anything can happen you know it's like i've always been i think in my opinion a strong tactician so when i am fit which I think is what I've kind of struggled with the past year. But like when I am fit, I'm like, I'm really unafraid to race and put myself in there and get going and run ugly and run ugly. Yes. I know that started at Dartmouth. It was just, you know, finish the race with spit on your face. Like literally I would finish races in high school, spit globs on my (laughs) cheeks and my lips would be blue. Like I, I don't hold back. Like I'm digging to that very, Very, very deep point. And I think that's something that I kind of got away from a little bit. Just like going to the well. Going to the well. But (laughs) this is funny. I find this funny. Um, I get kind of picked on for believing like sometimes things that are outside of my expectations. So people are like, Dana, you have such big, big ambitious goals that you'll like fall flat on your face because it's unreachable. And I'm like, yeah, I wanted to run 404 this season. I kept running 415. Because I was just hucking it and then dying, you know? But I'd rather try that. Shoot shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot. It's like, I would rather do it that way than do something I've already done before. Like, there's nothing inspiring to me about, like, being consistent. And, like, being consistent on running, like, the same time and not improving. Like, I want to do everything to improve. Well, there's something about being consistent, but then there's something about being consistent and not not improving. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, And then the 5K, I think, is just a challenge where... I could see like more opportunity in that race and it's kind of an untapped world. Which is more painful? Probably a 5K. Yeah. The 15 is a, once you get past 800, I mean, it's really a 600 and, it's really a 600 meter race. Walk me through that. I've never run one. Okay. So in the 1500, the championship level, you're like, Everyone kind of just waits around, gets through two laps, and then positions start being moved in the third lap. And then you can either move from 600 out, you can move from 300 out. You kind of have one or two moves that you can make. And if you're really good, you have more. So you just have to, basically it's like watching film. Like you watch the best tacticians race and you see all the different strategies. Like I'm tall and I have long legs, so I can't get caught in certain places. I can't get caught on the inside. So you have to make sure that you have your spot when the bell has rung and then you just hold on and you don't give up your position. 
It's pretty physical race. Dana's eyes are lighting up here <laughs> talking about the the tactics going into the 1500. So if you've never seen a race one, uh, you should. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> so last summer, I made the final in the 1500, which I had never done. Like I never competed at USA's. And I was stoked. And I told my coach at the time, which my, was my college coach, and I go, I think one thing I could have improved on for the final is that my start was pretty bad. And my start's usually like pretty good. So I was like, my start's pretty bad. Started out way too well, became the glorified rabbit for the race. And then the bell rings and I just got shot out the back. It was so funny. But my mom goes, you got some great TV time. Though. <laughs> I was like, you did uh, on the Fifth Avenue mile too. Oh yeah. For like two minutes, a minute, not even. Yeah. That was the first race that I've, almost dropped out of like i've never dropped out of a race and i seriously considered it so why didn't you because once you start you don't stop once you become a dnfer yeah true i've heard i've heard it's toxic like once you know that's an option you're gonna have to back your head that's what i was talking about before it's like yeah if you if you give up once it's easy to give up again exactly so like Boston 2017 for me was the worst day of my life, maybe. It was like, a tough day. Physically, yeah. For a lot of people. <laughs> and I was like cooked at mile It was seven. hot. That was the hot year. It was year, hot. Right? Not like super hot, but it was like it was pretty se- warm. sneaky 75. I got burnt. I got sunburned. I did too. <laughs> um, and yeah, I got toasted. Anyway, mile seven, I'm like staring down 19 miles of road like, holy shit, this yeah. sucks. Wow. And by mile 20, like anytime I ran faster than 10 minute mile, I would literally fall to the ground. Wow. Like my calves would seize up, but I wouldn't trade. I've seen people do that. It's horrible. I started asking if people had tequila along Beacon Street and they thought it was the fucking funniest thing in the world. And I was like, this is not a joke. I need this. I need something like yeah. help. Um, but I didn't drop out and yeah. I didn't walk off. And part of that was because I had friends at mile 24, like high school friends at mile 24 and a half Mm -hmm. that I never would have heard the end of it from if I I had dropped out. But like, that was my reason. That was why I kept going. Yeah. And you have to like find this reason in whatever the race is or whatever the thing is. And like I said, I wouldn't trade that for the world. That experience of like perseverance. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It's like, you think you're ready for the next level and people, the thing about professional running is like, it's hard to get opportunity. So you are invited to a race and you don't want to mess up, but it does add that additional extra pressure of like, Oh fuck, I have to perform for like a reason that's not myself. Right. It's like I have to perform because I want to be invited back to this race or I have prize money or a time bonus. And it's like, I've been really trying to work on, you're not in the sport for the money. If you were, <laughs> right. you're in the wrong yeah. game. Uh, but more of, you know who's just the most embarrassed person there? It's just you. Right. Like, you're the hardest person on yourself. You're your biggest critic. And, you know, people don't... If people are good people, they don't think of you differently because you run slowly. And I think that's a really tough concept for a lot of people to grasp, myself included. It's like, I... People put a lot of self-worth into their times, and I think that's super unhealthy. It's like, you know, if you didn't have a bad season, doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't right. mean you're less valuable. It just feels that way. So I think that's something that I've been working on this season is, you know, being like really honest. Like I do not have, I do not achieve my goals. These are my new goals. Maybe to you, external person, they don't align. Maybe me telling you that I want to make the Olympic team seems like, psh, 
how could she ever do that? You know, it's like, but I don't really care. Like, that's my goal. Like, why does it matter to anyone else? That's awesome. What, what do you know now that you wish Dana of mm. 2010 knew? 2010. Well, 2010, I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah, I feel like that's an important year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think sophomore year in high school, Dana would like to know that it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. I've asked that question like a dozen times now, and that's been pretty much the response every time. Yeah, um, but I think it's like being present in the day-to-day knowing that things are going to change and be different in the future. So what changed? I think I just became a much more confident person in college. Like in high school, I just wasn't, and maybe it's the way I started high school, but I think I just wasn't, um, it wasn't really me. Like I wasn't the weird person I I am now. Like I didn't have my like, I didn't have my personality, you know, it's like almost like you grow into your personality in college. Right. And then when you graduate college, you find you're weird. You find you're weird and then you find other people to share the same weird. Yeah, that's where the magic happens. Exactly. Can and be being on a weird. team was awesome for that. But now it's like you as adults, you know, who are taking care of ourselves, it's like you own your time. Like your time is your most valuable thing. And you should never let people like encroach on your time and you should never be doing things you don't want to do. People do that all the time. Totally agree. Great place to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> Dana, in, where- in spite of your time. <laughs> he's like, I want to go home. Time's up. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a it's a good point. Uh Dana, thank you so much for uh for joining here. I guess I'm joining you here. Um in your yes. home. Yes. Um where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I'm at Dana underscore geo on Instagram, and I think it's that same with a six at the end at Dana Geo six on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mostly on Instagram. Isn't it the best? It's fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is really wonderful to be like candid and honest and, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I'm trying to figure it out. (laughs) I love it. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.